We welcome you into episode 37 of the best podcast available. I'm Jason Gibbs alongside Andrew Gribble and the Z that stands for Zagora. Final episode before we're off for a couple weeks. A little summer vacation. No idea what that means other than the fact we're going to take a couple weeks off and then we'll be back with you as we get closer to training camp, whatever that might look like. Uh, a lot to be determined still. Uh, and we are officially into July, gentlemen. Uh, Gribs, 37 episodes. We were only supposed to do 30, and that counted training camp. We haven't even gotten to training camp, but we've done 37 episodes. Uh, your thoughts on this crazy, crazy offseason that we've had? Well, we've clearly covered our bases in the event that training camp doesn't look like, you know, a traditional training camp. So I think that's that's a good place to start. But I mean, it's just, it's, it's now become so normal that the thought of even going back in the office feels kind of weird whenever that uh, might be. So I, I've gotten used to this situation. I, I, my, I've had my kids in the house every single day since this started uh, way back in, in March. Uh, so it's, it's been a new experience for everyone. It's made the working environment uh, challenging, but that just carries over to football as well. And I think that we're kind of entering this July thinking we have an idea of what's going to happen, but uh, I mean, a lot can happen over the next month. And I think what the MLB and NBA do uh, over these next few weeks is going to play huge in what could potentially happen with the NFL moving forward. Yeah, there's no doubt. It obviously has been a very unique time. I think we're all very used to being on zoom, doing shows on zoom and, and dealing with the challenges it presents, as you said, working from home and, and all of that. And yeah, who knows? I, the next three weeks are going to be critical and we'll, I think we'll have a much next time we do a BPA or if I'm on with you guys, I think we'll have a much better idea of what things could look like. So for right now, we're kind of going into the great unknown. Um, you know, you could kind of see some of this stuff coming. I remember around the Memorial day holiday saying, we're going to have in a month from now, we're going to have uh, I'm not so sure things are going to be as good as they are right now. And sure enough, they're not, but hopefully we can do what we have to do now. So that a month from now, they are, and we can get these things back that we all really want to have back because training camp's supposed to start right when the NBA starts. So that's that's going to be that last week of July is going to have a lot of impact, I would say, going forward. The Browns clearly have handled the offseason about as well as any team, I would say, in the National Football League. Gribbs, your takeaways from the players and the coaches and the front office people and this whole process that we've now been dealing with for about 15 weeks. I think the refreshing thing is you you haven't really seen any excuse making. I think there's been a clear understanding from day one that this, these are circumstances that everyone is dealing with right now. You're, they're not unique to you. Uh, so you just have to embrace it. And I think that that comes from the top. And it starts with Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Barry, who have been quickly able to adapt to the situation and, and have handled it well. And I, I think a lot of it is, is helped in terms of the installation on the offense, but it's just going to make – training camp all that more important for this team because as much as you can do virtually you've got to at some point get on the field together and play uh so they're in as good of a spot as they could be in, i think at this point but uh it just makes these next couple months really really critical for this team yeah as we say the three p's right they, they're prepared they got a plan and then they have a process to implement their plan and they've done that and they've evolved and from talking to coach Stefanski about how things have gone through the offseason 
they were surprised that it would, they got a lot more out of it than they expected. But Griffith's right that you got to get on the grass. You got to get the rhythm down. You got to get the timing down. You got to gel and you got to take these things that you're learning in the classroom or learning off of iPads or learning individually and be able to function as 11 people together. And I think anybody who's talked about the scheme, certainly on the offensive side of the ball knows you need all 11 doing the exact right things on every play. And when that happens, this offense is pretty much unstoppable, but that, can only come from repetition, and that will only come when these guys are able to get on the field together. We shall wait and see what the next 30 days, uh, how it unfolds and how things go uh, and what training camp will look like in about four weeks from now. Time to have a little fun on our last episode of the BPA off-season edition before we go to training camp. And Gentlemen, I sent you some questions uh, last night. Oh, yeah. We'll start with number one as we have a little fun and frivolity on this Thursday. I want you to rank the Browns playmakers number six to number one. Your six are Odell, Jarvis, Chubb, Hunt, Hooper, and Najoku. Uh, Gribs, let's start with you. I have a question first. I have a question. Is it in terms of what we are we evaluating their just their skill as playmakers or what we think their importance is going to be as playmakers this year? Importance. Okay. Thank you for clarifying, Nathan. Okay. Always one to be thorough. Good job yeah, by you. Oh, yeah. A good man and thorough. Yeah, there you go. Number six, Gribbs. Who's your number six playmaker? I mean, it's <laughs> I, sadly, for, for Dave Njoku, he's the only guy on this list that's not a pro bowler. And I think that's just going to put him in, in a different category at the moment. I think he's got a ton of potential. But uh, in this group, he, he is number six because he's surrounded by a, a lot of talented guys out here. And not saying Njoku isn't. He, he showed it uh, in 2018. But uh, he's, gonna, he's going into this with a bounce back year mentality where these other guys are coming off some good seasons. Zagura, yeah, I agree. Totally. Yep. Next. Number five, Zagura. It'll be Kareem Hunt, and that's why I wanted to clarify on what is it the expectation. And look, Nick Chubb is, is going to be the main man in the backfield, and I think we're going to get more Kareem Hunt this year than we got last year in those final eight games. But just from an opportunity standpoint, if Nick Chubb's healthy, he's going to be five. Everybody else is going to be featured heavily, the top four, and they're all pretty darn good. Gribble? Uh, I was agreeing with that. I thought I would, it would be the controversial pick, but we agree on, on number five with Kareem Hunt. I just it, kills, think, it kills Gribble, by the way, to have to agree. Yeah, I mean, it's just, <laughs> it's just the way that we think this offense is going to be. I think Kareem Hunt has, like, obvious game-changing potential. We've seen it yeah. uh, with our own eyes and with him in a different uniform at our own stadium. But, you know, I think that it, it's, it's just the way the, things are shaping up with this offense. It's, it's going to be tough to, to get as many of those reps as, as maybe he did in the past. All right, Gribble, hit us up with number four on your playmaker list. So I'm going to go with Austin Hooper on this list because I think the tight end is going to be very important in this offense. Uh, I think he's going to have a lot of opportunities. Uh, but maybe maybe he's a clearly a different kind of tight end than Kyle Rudolph was. But I just didn't see that that tight end in that Minnesota offense. It was the two receivers in the back. And that's, that's where I'm putting those guys ahead of Hooper at the moment. Uh, clearly, though, he's going to be a big part of the offense. Segura. I agree. That's how I had it laid out. I had Austin Hooper number four. I think he's going to need a look. If he has 700 yards, 750 yards, six, eight touchdowns, that's going to be great for us. That's going to be huge for Baker Mayfield and move the chains quite a bit. But I think it, when you look at this offense and the, historically what it's done, yes, tight end can blow up. I mean, you go back to the, all the way back to Mike Shanahan in Denver and you talk about Shannon Sharp, George Kittle last year 
with the 49ers. So it could be there, but typically, and in Denver would be the one case where you had it all, right? You had Terrell Davis, you had Rod Smith, you had Ed McCaffrey, and you had Shan Sharp. You typically don't have it all. The Niners wouldn't say that they have two receivers, the likes of the two that we have. And so you can see a situation where there's more focus on them, just like there was more focus with Thielen and Diggs in Minnesota. And so that leads me right into number three, which for me would be Jarvis Landry. Because we're talking about playmaker. Jarvis Landry is as good as it gets. Complete wide receiver, can do it all for you. Very, very steady, but not really as explosive as the guy who I think will probably end up being number two on both of our lists uh, since we've been in, in simpatico so far. So I go Jarvis at number three. Yeah, I, I picked Jarvis here as well because he broke my – I just think – breaking the tie because I think they basically put up very similar numbers last year. But uh, I'm just giving Odell the edge because I think that he's coming off – he's already 100% healthy. He probably expects to do more in training camp than Jarvis. Jarvis is coming off a pretty big surgery. So I, I just think that that's, that's what broke my tie for me. But both are, are, are going to be equally important. So, Gribbs, you're number two. I, I picked uh, Odell for this one because I think that – as big, I think he's poised for a huge year. And I think when you look at like who's got the best big playability on this team, it's probably Odell Beckham, but it's more about why Nick Chubb is my number one, just based on what we know about this offense and honestly what we hope this offense could be. You, you want to hope Nick Chubb is your number one playmaker because that means you're winning games. Yeah, Nick Chubb is, is a stud, and he is a home run hitter in his own right. He can take you to the house from anywhere. He's got a, a, at least a run of 80-plus yards each of his two seasons in the NFL. So Nick Chubb's number one. The offense is going to be built around him. We are a wide zone, outside zone offense, and that's the centerpiece. Just like as good as Diggs and Thielen are in Minnesota, when that offense is humming, it's built around Dalvin Cook and what he was able to do for them last year. So I think that's right. But, heck, this is a long, 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 far away removed from the days of when we'd be talking about it. And this top six list would include names like Ricardo Lewis and Kenny Britt and, and, you know, things like that. It's a big difference. Isaiah Crowell and Duke Johnson were very good for us. This is, we're just in a different stratosphere now with this organization. As he said, five pro bowlers in our top six playmakers, a, a former leading rusher in the NFL, leading receiver in the NFL, leading in terms of receptions in the NFL, second leading rusher in the NFL. I mean, we've got, there's some real talent here. Can, can we go back and listen to the CBD that came right after uh, the Browns claimed Cason Williams off, off waiver? Oh, I'm sure that was a big one. Bryce Treggs, <laughs> Bryce Treggs as well. Oh, yeah. At least he, he averaged 19 yards a catch with us. Bryce Treggs at least made yeah. some nice plays. Those were lean years, man. I, I, we were going through. I, I tried blocking all that Ooh, out. We just Thanks did the all-decade team. And, you know, we're going through the all-decade team with the Browns on uh, CBD. And you just look at the receivers. It's, it's stunning. I mean, there are some it's, – it's stunning what, what's kind of transpired over the last decade for the Browns. Well, Zagura, you mentioned it uh, the other day. Like, if we put in a stipulation where you had to have had at least two years – like, it would have been really hard. We have a lot of one-year wonders yep. and not a second year on the follow-up. Yep. So, all right. Uh, thanks for the uh, all-agreed-upon segment. Yeah, that was pretty uh, good. We, we move on to number two. I'm coming up with some humdingers today on the rundown. Uh, the coordinator or assistant coach you are most excited about joining this football team. Gribble, I'm going to start with you here. I'm going with offensive line coach Bill Callahan because I think that he, he's been given the pieces to work with. He's got a couple big projects on his hands, and I, I like that entrusted with the guy's experience as Bill Callahan. First off, he's working through the transition with Jedrick Wills going from right tackle to left tackle, something he's done in the past with multiple players and has found a lot of success with it. So I think he's the right guy for that job. 
Also, I like the the cool, calm demeanor when he's talking about the situation at right guard. I think that's uh, an issue where it, it, I, find me a team in the NFL that's had to have right guard competitions and back-to-back training camps. And I think that's not a place you wanted to be right now. But I think that he he believe he seems to truly believe you got the option on your team right now. So I I think he that's a that's a good problem to have where that's your only issue on the offensive line at the moment. Uh, so I I think that he just brings that veteran experience on an otherwise pretty young offensive staff, and I think he was a, a great addition and one of the first additions that Kevin Stefanski made. So if I had gone first. I would have also said Bill Callahan, but since <laughs> I'm going second, we want to have something different. So a couple names popped in my head. Chad O'Shea, I think getting to work with that wide receiver room and the experience he brings as a play caller and what he was in New England. And more for me with Chad, it's figuring out what's going on three, four, five, six in that room and hopefully developing Donovan Peoples-Jones. But my answer is going to be Joe Woods because, you know, you talk to people at the 49ers organization, they couldn't say enough good things about him. His time in Denver was very successful. He's going to bring a style of defense that I think suits our personnel very, very well uh, on both sides of the ball. He understands what needs to, to be done um, and, and comes from, you know, a very exciting, prolific defensive team a year ago. And really everywhere he's been, his secondaries have always been great. And I really think with our talent up front, it will, will be good enough against the run. The key in this league is stopping the pass. And if our secondary sends a bunch of people to the Pro Bowl, as his secondary seem to do every year, at least two, then I think we're going to be in really, really good shape. Zagura, the addition on this team, either through free agency or the draft, that you are most excited about that's not getting any publicity or buzz? I'll go with for, – for because it's kind of under the radar. I'm going to say Carl Joseph. I, I really like Carl Joseph. When you watch him, when he was with the Raiders, he was the highest-graded player on their defense in 2018 from Pro Football Focus. I thought played very, very well last year before he was able – before he, he got a season-ending injury. Um, if he can stay healthy, and that is an if with him at this point, right? It is. But this is a former first-round talent who can play both safety positions. He can hit. Uh, he can cover. And I think he's a very, very good player who's going to put up the best season he possibly can on a one-year deal uh, to try and get paid. But I'm, I'm pretty pumped about what he's going to bring to this team. Gribble. So this might be borderline just because I have a hard time quantifying, like, what's been buzz and, and not. But, I mean – did Jack Conklin get like 30 minutes of buzz and that was about it? Because I, I feel like we haven't He's like got buzz. He's got buzz. buzz. Yeah. buzz. I, I, I tend to agree with Gribble on I that. I feel like we yeah. haven't talked about him for, since that, that moment that it happened. Yeah. I think it's because I mean, he's so good. It's like we yeah. – but you always mentioned, though, the first thing people talk about when they talk about our team is how we remade the line with Jack Conklin and Jedrick Will. So it's not like a whole lot of buzz about him. It's just like, all right, right. we brought in a great player. Period. Yeah, he's gotten roped in with with him, so I, I'll I'll make my I'll try to find a more uh, niche pick after this. But Jack Jack Conklin is just like you added a great starter to your offensive line and fixed a major issue, and it's just like a plug and play. You know he thrives in wide zone, and you you know he's going to be good. And I think that 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 was clearly such a huge acquisition that was probably overshadowed a bit by Austin Hooper because they happened on the same day, and Austin Hooper catches the ball and Jack Conklin doesn't. So you, you're right. going to get more. Uh, buzz that way I guess a second one for me would probably be Adrian Claiborne on the on the defense because I think that you just didn't have that player on the team last year you need the that third pass rusher that can that can come in on third downs and I I think that even though this is a a veteran group I still think another one was needed in that room especially with one that like Adrian Claiborne who's gone through so much in his career has a lot of experience and I think he's someone that could help uh, even Miles Garrett. I think he can, just his presence in that room alone uh, can really help. And Chris Kiffin uh, on this podcast said nothing but 
glowing things to say about him and, and what he can do for this defense. Yeah. All right, Dribble, most memorable interview you've done this offseason, front office, coach, or player? What's one that stands out the most to you? Whew. Uh, I'll, I'll go with I, – I enjoyed our conversation. Our most recent one was with Callie Brownson, who's always a, a pleasure to talk to and uh, gave some, some great insight. Into us. I also enjoyed uh, – maybe it's because I've, I've got a, a good relationship with him, uh, talking with Glenn Cook who is really in a, in a great position and uh, has earned his promotion and, and, and is kind of a stable, easygoing guy uh, in, that, in that position with, and he's got just a ton of experience in all aspects of the football organization. So I, I really enjoyed talking to him and, and getting his perspective on things. Another one that I talked to not on this podcast, but is a super interesting person to talk to is, is our new uh, VP of football operations, Kwesi Adolfo Mensa. I mean, he is, I mean, th- just the background alone is just so unique for what he's doing. And I mean, just insanely smart guy. Like it's just, it, it, they added a smart guy in the room and he's, he is very smart. Zagura. All right. Uh, and you've done quite grip, a few here, buddy. I really like how Gribbs went very Zagurian in his answer there with 38 answers or so that makes me feel carte blanche to do such a thing as well. That's I, the answer I, you give when you don't prepare for an answer. If you, if you had to pick, if I had to pick, I'm going to do one player, one non-player that stood out, but throw a couple honorable mentions. Uh, non-player was Bill Callahan. The day we talked to Bill Callahan for 30 minutes was just phenomenal. I mean, he, you could just tell such a good guy, but so smart and just so detail oriented. And I just thought, man, and that's why that interview is going to be another one of the reasons other than obviously his resume, which more than speaks for itself, but just how impressive he was in that setting. I thought Bill Callahan was great. Player wise, the hammer is right now the best interview on the team in terms of if you just want to be entertained, if that's, if that's your goal out of it. Uh, But uh, I would say for guys that I really learn something new about or learn something new just about football. Case Keenum was tremendous. I thought Carl Joseph was great when I talked to him and just his determination. Uh, And then Nick Harris, of all the rookies, Nick Harris really stood out to me for just being highly intelligent, high energy, and somebody who I really want to see, you know, as a later round pick, you you find those guys you really want to see succeed just based on their personality. I think Nick Harris is going to fit in very well with our offensive line room. And I loved it. I mean, I've talked, we've had so many interviews already this year. And AB is always great. Stefanski is always great. Um, but those would be the ones that really sit out. I'd say Callahan on the coach side. And then the hammer right now is, he's, you know, he replaced Cole as the punter. And he's following right in Cole's footsteps as, as the most fun interview on the squad. Yeah, no question about it. All right. Zagura, you may only pick one. Yep. One. Best offseason edition, either through the draft or free agency. Go. No pressure. So I'm not going to go with an obvious answer, but I'm going to go with one that I think is going to have really some of the biggest impact, even though it may not be felt particularly on the field. I'm going to say Case Keenum. I thought Case Keenum, when you think about that every move in this organization was made to help your quarterback in terms of getting, we talked about Conklin, we talked about Austin Hooper, and those are going to get all the buzz, right? Jedrick Wills in the draft. Of course, I love Grant Delpit. That was, I almost went with Grant Delpit, but I think Case Keenum and what he's going to bring to that quarterback room and the professionalism that he is going to bring, the knowledge of how Stefanski teaches and this offense that he's going to bring, are all of these things are going to be critically important. And sometimes it's those behind-the-scenes things that end up having the biggest impact on the field. And so I'm going to say Case Keenum. I thought that was absolutely the perfect person to put in that quarterback room, which is the most important room in the building with Baker Mayfield. Ribble. Hmm. This is a, I, I've got two, and I'm I'm gonna just pick one. Uh, 
but it uh, to me it's it's got to be it's got to be Jedrick Wills. I just because at that point in the draft, if you don't get your tackle, who's your left tackle? And I, I think that I mean that's the that that would have been the huge question mark hanging over this team if you didn't get the guy you wanted. And I just I, and I I do believe that they got the guy they absolutely wanted. I just think he was so important to what you're trying to do. He was the final piece. You couldn't get a left tackle in free agency. It just wasn't happening. So you had to get someone that you believed in at that spot, and I believe the Browns got that guy. And whether or not he struggles as a rookie moving to a position or not, it sets you up for the future at a position where it's just been a big question mark ever since Joe Thomas suffered that injury. Gribble, if you had to do a power ranking of the NFL's 32 teams post-offseason, where would you rank the Browns and why? So I'm going to go – it's hard to just put a number on it, but I'm going to say I'm putting it in the top 10. Uh, I will fair. say it's the, – the Browns do not even rank number one in the division, though. And I think that goes to the Cincinnati Bengals because they got their quarterback. That's a pretty good offseason. You got, the, you got the number one pick in the draft. The Bengals actually spent in free agency. Uh, they added a lot of players. So uh, I think that in terms of even in the division, Brown's probably number two. But I think a safe number 10, which is good because I didn't we, – we shouldn't want to be number one in the offseason again. That didn't go so well in 2019. So I, I, I think I'm, I'm putting it a safe top, top 10. Zagura? Did you more mean like if we were power ranking the teams right now or what our offseason was? Yeah, so – because I, I went with off-season. All right. Power, where would you put us in a power ranking right now? Yes. Because that's what I'm going to answer. Okay. Like well, let's, let, let me redo my answer then. Because I was going okay. off biggest off-season. Like, yeah. rank your off-season. Power ranking of the NFL 32 teams post-off-season. So, today, where are the Browns in the, t- in the 32? Gotcha. I was, I was going with rank the off-season, which is – I liked it in the top to 10. Point. I thought it was aggressive. I was like, wow. I, like I liked this. it. This is spicy. I liked our gripple. But then when the, when the Bengals were number one, then I said, wait a second. I think we're – I don't think we're on the same page here. Well, Zagur, do you want to go while Gribble uh, figures uh, I gotta out? I got to recalibrate here. All right. I'm gonna, okay. So I'm going to say number 14. And the reason I say number 14 is there are going to be 14 teams that make the playoffs this year. This roster on paper, if it didn't say Cleveland Browns and you didn't know whose team was what, this team is a top 10 roster in the National Football League. We have not been a top 14 team in a long, long time. I'm not going to put us where our roster would say that we should be because we have to earn that. I thought about saying 16. I thought about saying 17, saying you have to play your way to the top half of the league. But the bottom line is with this roster and this talent, this should be a playoff team. And so that is the, the, the point of delineation for me. They are 14th. If they play to their talent, they should be even better than that. If they do not, they will not make the playoffs in the season would be in some level, even if we improve, I think on some level, a little bit of a disappointment. Right, I've recalibrated my rankings. I'm going with 16 because I want I, I need a little edge going into the season. You haven't arrived yet. I think there's you gotta have you gotta have something to to kind of prove. I think and I think it's reflective too of the lack of buzz this team has gotten in the offseason, which is a good thing. Yes. And I just think that they I, I do think to most people, if the Browns make the playoffs this year, it will be not what they expected. Even though based on the roster, you should expect it. So I'm putting it right in the middle at a safe 16 with plenty to prove going into the year. Got to show me. I like it. I like it, Gribble. Motivate, motivate, motivate. All right, a little NFL fun. Which team had the worst offseason, Packers or Bears? Zagura, we'll start with you. 
Mm, interesting. I, I think that the Packers obviously alienated their quarterback, which didn't seem to be a very good move. And, and at a time when they could have given him a very valuable resource, they took a somewhat of a project quarterback in the first round. So I don't think that's ideal. Uh, I'm not totally familiar with all the moves that, that the Packers made. I will say, though, I'm going to give it to the Bears because you had an opportunity to bring Cam Newton in, and instead you kind of don't fully punt on Mitch Trubisky, but then bring Nick Foles in at a very expensive contract uh, to compete with him. And I don't think you in any way, shape, or form truly enhanced your chances, whereas a move at Cam Newton, by the way, $7 million. Now, does he sign with the Bears for $7 million? I don't know. But I, I think the Bears had an op- a more of an opportunity to do something significant and didn't take advantage of it. Gribble. It's, it's easily the Bears. They jumped the gun on the quarterback situation. They – they not only inherited Nick Foles' insane, insanely expensive contract, they traded a fourth-round pick for him. Like, they didn't even have to do that. Like, they could have just waited and, and brought in an Andy Dalton, who I even over – Andy Dalton is solid without the injury concerns that, that Cam Newton – that they might have had with Cam Newton. I mean, there's, there's a plenty of other options they had. And not only did they bring in Foles, they're still having this quarterback competition with Mitch Trubisky. Like, it just doesn't – doesn't make any sense. Nonsense. I, I just, I, so I, I get that the Packers made all the headlines during the draft, but uh, I'd much rather be the Packers entering this year because they have Aaron Rodgers and the Bears have a mess at quarterback. Well, let's get to it. Gribble, which team ends 2020 with a better record? Tampa Bay or New England? It's the Patriots, and it was going to be this way even before they signed Cam Newton. That is outrageous. I wish we could somehow simulate the Jared Stidham experience. I mean, come on. It was, it's going to be the Buccaneers, and we can put Taco Bell on this. I did go back to the tape groups. The original Taco Bell bet is just for the Bucs to make the playoffs. So okay. you could have – by the way, if you win the Patriots one, it's a good chance you're going to – you might go – it might be a clean sweep for you there. But uh, the Patriots are a completely different team with Cam Newton. Completely different. Jared Stidham – they knew that that wasn't real. They played it perfectly. They sat around and waited while other people did crazy things, and they were able to bring in Cam Newton for seven mil. Genius. Belichick. Classic. Classic Bill. Classic I mean, Bill. It's a, it's a rough week for Jared Stidham. I mean, there was, there was a lot of the, – the PR campaign for him was huge. This Massive. But it was all, it, I think, done to create leverage on their side for whoever it is that they wanted to bring in. We're good with Stidham. We're good. We're good. Cam, we're not giving you a hundred. We're, we're good. We're good. Either way, they no matter what, the Patriots were going eight and eight this year at minimum. I, so I you think that the Buccaneers are going seven and nine if Tom Brady stays healthy? I I just can't. I can't. I can't buy in. Why? Yes. Just can't. I'm I'm always gonna I'm gonna pick the Patriots. I'm just gonna. I just. It's just. It, it's a prove it's it. Belichick. It's it's prove it. And I've Brady been is kind of a part of the reason the Patriots have been pretty good. Kind of, just maybe a little bit. I've also I, I've I've seen what an off season like the one the Bucks are going through now. We have it's a little uh, it's 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 feeling like a, a deja vu all over I, again. I, I'm I sorry, you there can't is some, compare. Some I don't believe the off season champion that 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 they are they are entering the year is. I don't believe that you can compare the impact of hype and pressure that it's going to have on Tom Brady's football team and that it did on a second-year quarterback, Baker Mayfield's football team. I don't, I don't think you can do that. Or on Bruce Arians versus a first-year head coach. There's a, so many things that are very different about the situations. Tom Brady being like the giant elephant in the room. He's a pack of elephants, a pachyderm. 
But we're Z- talking about a quarterback that many, like I would say a sector of people thought might be retiring this year. Look who he was playing with, though. Now he's got Mike Evans, Godwin. He might be adding Antonio Brown, Gronk, O.J. Howard. In all fairness, can he get the ball to those guys? They're fast. They you run watch. fast. Can he throw the ball that far? You watch. Just you watch. They're going right, to so who, who starts more games in 2020 for the Patriots, Cam Newton or Jared Stidham? Cam. If he's sure? – I mean – Are we sure that Cam's healthy? I think he's healthy. Oh. I mean, he looked pretty good in his videos I'm watching where he's out there with Muhammad Sanu. By the way, he's a giant because Muhammad Sanu is not a small man, and he makes Muhammad Sanu look very, very tiny. Cam, I mean, the only reason that that question would be any different is if he gets hurt again, which is possible. I'm not saying he can't get hurt, but Cam Newton is the answer. Jared Stidham, that was a bunch of smoke and mirrors. That was nonsense. That's like when they tell you that the flights to Vegas, back when people could travel and do fun things, like, oh, the, well, the flights to Vegas, it's only $15, so it's going to be cheap. We're going to get you there. Yeah, and then you get there and you drop $800,000 on great food and casinos and this, that, whatever. That's just a hook. That was a sham. A that was a mirage. I'll pay the $15 flight all day long and drop Exactly. It. And then they're going to yeah. get more of your money, just like you're bought into this. Oh, look at Jared Stidham. And they're like, oh, yeah, actually, we got Cam Newton right here. No big deal. Gribble, I'm assuming you agree. It's Cam. It's, I mean, it, I, how do he, just the, the moxie that he has <laughs> walking into that room. Like, it, he's just, it's just going to be so hard. I mean, because I, I know Jared Stidham's – I mean, Jared Stidham's – he was a solid quarterback. I mean, and he had uh, – I have some intimate Jared Stidham knowledge, maybe more so just because my connections to Auburn. But it's like he, he never really got, like, a great avenue to showcase his talent, which, which I do believe is why the Patriots maybe think higher of him than we – reflect on his college career because it wasn't that awesome of a college career so i mean unremarkable yeah it was a very unremarkable college career but there's there's reasons that about just bad bad fits at baylor bad fit at auburn like to run 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 the ball so i i think he's a solid quarterback and i think he's going to be in the league for a while i I think that's been made clear with the way the patriots at least entered late june with him as their as their number one option so I, I just think Cam, though, is, is another talent that I – if I'm Josh McDaniels, I'm like, who am I building this offense around? The, the 2015 MVP or Jared Stidham? I mean, I just – that's – He wasn't even good in college. That's, it's crazy talk. Exactly. This is, whole thing is madness. I love it. I love madness. Uh, Gribble, factor fiction. The AFC East gets two teams into the playoffs in a way too early prediction on July 1st, 2020. Uh, I'm going to go fiction just because I think it's going to be the Patriots. And I think it's going to be a lot of, a lot of muck behind them, a lot of seven Ooh. and nine, eight and eight behind them. Cause I think the dolphins and jets will be a little bit better. I'm not buying the bills this year. So I think that it's, it's going to be uh, a little tough. I think the I think the North is a lock to get two, if not three teams into the playoffs. And I, I think the West is a lock to get two teams into the playoffs. So you do the the math on it, right? You've got the Chiefs in the West. Who else do you like in the West? I like either the Raiders or the Broncos. I think one of them get in. Okay. In our division, I think I'm putting three. So I'm going to go with the Chiefs for now. So we're at four. You have the division winner in the South, which could be the Titans or the Colts, I I suppose, or the Texans. It's going to be tough, I would think, for the AFC East to get to. But, but they got to last year. You've added a spot. They could do it. If, if they get two in, I think it would be very difficult for three to come out of our division because that would wipe out all the extra spots. 
I, I feel like the long-term stats do not reflect well on the Bills. Like that, they're, I agree. that their 2019 they're... campaign is not sustainable over a longer period of time. And the question is, is, is the Titans campaign sustainable? Maybe not, but the Texans are good. The Colts added Phillip Rivers. There are, the AFC is pretty good. I think the AFC is a pretty good conference this year. It's going to be tough. I would say, I'll say fiction right now, just because I think that I like what's happening in other conferences a little bit, in other divisions a little bit better. But it wouldn't surprise me in the least if the Bills get in and so do the Patriots. All right, Gribble, either, neither, or both. Kansas City and San Francisco back in the Super Bowl here in 2020. I'm going to go with one of them, and that'll be Kansas City. Mahomes, ha- is a, Mahomes is a beast. I can't, like, that's, it's just, he keeps them in games. They, they, win, easy, they win a lot of games easy. I, I'm, I'm just having a hard time betting against that guy. I don't think the 49ers make it back. This year. Those two teams and the Saints, to me, have the three best rosters in football by far. You do have more questions, obviously, with Jimmy Grapes and with Drew Brees than you do with Mahomes. It's hard to get back. I mean, it just is. It's a very difficult thing to do, and the Super Bowl hangover is real. I think it's probably more likely if you were to literally, if you had to, if you had to bet on the odds, I think it's more likely that neither get back. But if I, I would, I think that the Chiefs, until I see somebody beat the Chiefs, I, I don't see the Chiefs losing for a while. Now, now they got my guy Clyde Edwards Hilaire in that offense. Like, it's just, it's, it's going to be nasty. Seems mean. Seems nasty. I'm glad we don't have to play them this year. Seems Big untold. fan of not having to play them. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. All good. Gentlemen, it's been a pleasure. Indeed. 37 episodes. Been a long off season. 15 weeks. We played almost an entire football season from home. So I appreciate both of your times. Uh, I appreciate all of your efforts. Jeff McDaniel, thank you yes. for everything uh, that you do for us week in and week out and putting up with us. Uh, my advice to all of you, wear a mask, maintain a little social distance, be smart, wash your hands, novel concept. We'll be back in a few weeks, hopefully with football on the horizon. Make sure you enjoy the holiday this weekend safely. Take care of one another. Uh, We will be back with you probably the week before training camp gets set to open. Uh, You can log on to clevelandbrowns.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Like and subscribe today to the best podcasts available. You can also watch us, youtube.com slash browns. For Nathan Zagura, Fred Gribble, thanks again, gentlemen. Enjoy your weekend. Zagura, happy early birthday. Thanks for watching, and thanks for listening to the best podcast available.